You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Here on your Wednesday afternoon, we thank you for joining us on the line. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Auburn basketball falling to the eighth-ranked Crimson Tide last night in Tuscaloosa, 70-58. to The Crimson Tide got the opportunity to cut the nets down for the first time in quite some time. Alabama last night ensured that they have total control first in the sec there is no sharing now for the crimson tide they won the sec outright last night there was still a chance that if they lost the last two games they would tie with arkansas assuming that arkansas won out but alabama would still have the tiebreaker over over arkansas but it would it would have only been the the two teams would have been in that situation that auburn was in several years ago where they had to share and nobody likes to share so alabama ends up winning the regular season sec title outright last night against auburn as well once again 70 to 58 auburn drops to 12 and 14 6 and 11 in conference play auburn has just now ensured its first losing season since 2015 2016 under bruce pearl that's a fun little factoid you know good for auburn that they've 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 accumulated this kind of run obviously nobody wants to sit here and think oh well we've had a terrible year how does that make me feel better it doesn't but it's still a a this program has came a long ways from where it used to be where you were accustomed to seeing losing seasons every year you're disappointed with this season which is like you You should be you would be more like even back in the days you would actually be a little bit i wouldn't say happy but you wouldn't be upset about this back in you know some of those tony barbie days where you're like man we actually almost were at 500. Wow. Now, this is like utter disappointment. Right. That was the point I was trying to make. I'm yeah, glad you like, articulated that for me. I said, we're, Auburn has come so far. Like, Auburn the has, expectation the, yeah, is th- different. There's expectations there now. And congrats to Alabama. They've been the best team in the SEC. They got Arkansas by, you know, nipping at their heels right now. I don't think they're the best team in the SEC right well, now. I'm saying they have been throughout the throughout year. Throughout the whole if year. You're, if you're, from start enti- to finish. From start sure. to finish the entire, entire year. But we both know that Arkansas... They're playing hot and they're nipping right at their heels. I'm I'm interested to see how that dynamic turns out with these two teams. Luckily for Auburn and Auburn fans and the scope of Auburn basketball, this year didn't count anyway. I mean, you know, there's there's a global pandemic going on, COVID nineteen. I mean, this doesn't count. We're watching this year anyway, so it doesn't matter. There are two new hot shot coaches in the SEC that have taken this league by storm. Musselman at Arkansas and then Nate Oates at Alabama two years in I think at both of those locations now and they're now at the top of the league Arkansas not going to win the SEC title in the regular season but I'll be real right now going into tournament play I'd say Arkansas is my favorite to win the SEC at the moment I can I can I can I can go with that I think Arkansas should be I mean Arkansas and Alabama should be the favorite 
I'm still holding on to that. I think Kentucky's going on a run in the tournament for no reason whatsoever. I just feel like they're going to get hot. They're going to put it together. Leave and they're the Blue do Bloods it. out of this year's NCAA tournament, please. No, put them in. Put them in. No, I, I really feel like uh, Arkansas should be the favorite going in. But, all, I mean, you can't, you can't count this Alabama team out because when they're hot, oh, they are scorching hot. It's just... Will they do it? Sure. And a tournament scenario, a tournament setting provides Alabama with the framework to get hot and go on a run, just like it did for that Auburn Final Four team several years ago, two years ago. See, the last Final Four that we experienced was that Final Four. It's hard to believe that as well, that that our last memories of a Final Four was Auburn being wronged. (laughs) That's true. I mean, it's it's wild to think that Virginia – Still the defending national champs because that was so long ago. But hold on, that's that's so fitting. Alabama plays, excuse me, not Alabama, Virginia plays the game of basketball so slow that it makes sense that they would get two years as defending champs. <laughs> I like that. I like that. They play the game so slow. I mean, that they should outlaw that style of basketball. I'm tired of watching it. They, I'm here for it. I like that there's they, diversity in the game. Unlike the NBA, where there are, there is diversity in sets and in plays and just general offense, but not a diversity in tempo. Everybody is forced no. to play under the same tempo because of a 24-second shot clock. And some people, largely not the college basketball fan base, but – if you're an NBA fan, you like that. You like the fact that you're being forced to score over 100 points a game because that's why you're watching it. You want to see offense. You want to be entertained by the best basketball athletes that the world has to offer. I understand that 100%. But part of the lure and the draw for me as a college basketball fan is the diversity of not only the tradition and the pageantry of all of the teams, but the diversity of locations. I mean, there's 357 teams or so in college basketball. On top of that... I mean, there's almost a team for every day of the week, or not every day of the week, every day of the year when you're talking about college basketball. That's That's wild. But moving forward off of that, there's also diversity in play style and roster makeup. There's just so much diversity and differences in college basketball that makes the game really rich for me, richer than the NBA. That's why people like college basketball. Yeah, I mean, you have so much diversity. You have teams that are one-and-done base teams. You have teams that... They build up and they'll go on a run in a few years. Veteran guard play, you'll hear that. You'll hear us say that in the month of March about a hundred times. And the NCAA tournament and the month of March perfectly encapsulates all of what I just said was diverse in college basketball and it throws it into a 68-team melting pot and says, do battle. It's a battle royale of 68 teams that ends in one that is typically not your best team in college basketball that year. It may be one of the best teams, but it's not always the best team. It's not the perfect way of crowning a champion, but boy, is it entertaining. Oh, yeah. And also with that... The carnage. You got to remember, these are college kids, which are more prone to get upset. That's why you see the Florida Gulf Coast. That's why you see the Loyola Chicago's of the world. Butler a few years ago before, you know, years ago when they had made their name for themselves. And simply put, in today's NBA, that is not possible there's just no there's not a there is a bit a smidgen of parody it's just which which of the great teams these super teams as people like to call them which one is going to make it out of the what four or five that there that exist is it going to be the lakers the nets the bucks which one of those teams are going to make it to the finals now folks will bring up well this past year's nba finals a five seed made it well it was also out of the eastern conference which is significantly weaker but and you would expect there to be 
you would expect there to be more dominance. Maybe the Bucks you would expect to have made it out of the NBA's Eastern Conference this past year because the, I mean, the East is so weak. But I think it lends a hand to more parity in the Eastern Conference. But what happened in the NBA Finals? The Lakers dominated it. It's also it also goes hand in hand with what we said all year. Better shot lines when there's no crowds there. I mean, you go into that bubble, you get a team that can shoot the three like the Miami Heat. You know, do well with guys like Hero and Duncan Robinson. You're gonna play pretty well. Also, Giannis, what's that guy ever done? Overrated. No rings. No finals appearances. Get him out of here. He's great, but you're on to something there, especially with the way that NBA teams and NBA players are evaluated in this day and age off of rings, and you're wanting to talk about greatness. Giannis is a great player, but is he a great winner? And right now, Giannis hasn't shown us that he's a great winner. He's just showed us that he, he can he can play great throughout the regular season, but when it comes down to the playoffs, the Bucks have done nothing. They've been very underwhelming for having been the top team in the East the past two seasons. But we'll get off the the, the okay. NBA because a lot of we folks around here probably don't want to hear that. We just went we just went way off. We just started talking basketball and just went with it. It was all connected. It was all connected. Like, but you can you can trace the line back to where we started here at this Auburn uh, Alabama basketball game that happened. Auburn losing 70-58. to I felt like there were a lot of similarities in this game from Saturday's game with the exception of two stat categories that I said yesterday Auburn had to absolutely win if they were going to win this basketball game, and they didn't. You want to tell them which ones those were? Because I'm, I'm looking at the glaring one. I'm looking at First the obvious one. First of all, turnovers. Say the, that's the obvious one. 23 turnovers, seven tur- 23 to 7, and then you look at points off of turnovers. Alabama had 24 points off of turnovers. 24 points off of turnovers. Yeah. Take that away from them. What's the score? Or at least limit it or at a least little ha- bit. It's closer. If you half it up, you, you know, you cut them by 12, that's even a close It's tied. Bet. Yeah, I mean, God. It's tied if you cut it by 12. You're right. And, and if what's funny about this is if I told you yesterday that Alabama, that I had some premonition that Alabama was only going to score 70 points in this ballgame. I'd have felt good. I you felt would have felt Auburn won, right? I would have felt pretty – I would have at least felt confident that it was – a closer game than it ended up being at the end of it but what if i also told you that auburn had 23 turnovers blown out blown out in alabama well, they didn't co- get blown out they almost, uh, auburn almost covered alabama covered though that they one did. point that one point that's, that one point it's crazy how accurate some of these lines are man but this game was a game of fine margins i think despite the fact that it was a 12 point game and alabama never trailed in this auburn had it down to five in the second half after a jt thor bucket this tiger team when you look at the run of play percentages taking out free throws auburn shot 39.6 percent alabama shot 39.7 percent auburn shot 25 percent from three alabama shot 28.6 percent from three the difference here they were the turnovers Auburn going minus 16 there comparing to saturday's game against tennessee where Auburn was plus one in the turnover margin and then in the free throws Auburn shot 37 free throws against tennessee last night auburn only shot 16 they were plus four and free throw makes against alabama that's not enough i told y'all yesterday that auburn had to absolutely dominate the free throw line if they were going to have a shot to win this game because what did we expect we expected alabama to take and make more threes than auburn which they did not by an egregious amount auburn did well in defensive end I think Auburn played well against Alabama last night. Played yeah, as best as they could have. Yeah, I think. they didn't play poorly at all. The only way they could have played better, in my opinion, are those two that we just hit on. The free throws. You'd have liked to see them make more, you know, get to the line a little bit more often and the turnovers. I mean, that's been the story all year. You can't you can't turn the ball over with that much of a difference 
against this Alabama team. That's just that's just giving them more opportunities to get hot and go on that run that we've seen this Alabama offense capable of. Alabama going into the ball game, according to KenPom.com, had the third highest defensive efficiency in the country. For all intents and purposes, they were the third best defensive team in the country based on possessions. And I expected Auburn to turn the ball over a lot going into this ball game. I did. That's the one area where they could have, I felt like, done better. You can't make the the referees blow the whistle for you. And I'm not blaming this loss on the officials whatsoever. This was an even game in terms of free throws. Auburn could have attacked the bucket more. More than half of Auburn's shots, or a little bit under half of Auburn's shots, came from the three-point line. Auburn shot 24 threes last night out of 53 field goals. If they had maybe attacked the bucket a little bit more, maybe Auburn gets to the free throw gets to the free throw line a little bit more. That was something else I told you guys yesterday. Auburn's got to attack the bucket, play a little bit more on the inside, like they did against Tennessee, if they want to get those foul calls. Auburn didn't do that a lot last night. But you have to give a lot of credit to this Alabama defense that is one of the best in the country, and they had to be licking their chops going against an Auburn team that is without Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell and any ball handler. We've handled that. We've hammered that all season long because one has been without the other, and now Auburn's without both of them. And you had to expect that turnovers were going to be a problem when you're facing this this good of a defense and also shooting was going to be a problem so we said Auburn's going to have to be locked in focused intense on defense I felt like they checked that box Alabama shot below 40 percent from the field below 30 percent from three that's why this game was as close as it was at 12 points that's why it was as close as five points in the second half said Auburn had to dominate at the free throw line well what they didn't do well they didn't attack the bucket enough thus they didn't get as many free throws as they needed to be able to close that 12-point gap between them and Alabama. And then the other area, they had to do better with turnovers. They didn't have to necessarily win the turnover battle to beat Alabama, but you can't turn the ball over 23 times and then only turn Alabama over seven times. That margin had to be a little closer. And you also can't give them 24 points off of said turnovers. I mean, that's, that's a big killer. We just, we went over it earlier. You have that, that's a tied ball game. If you can just cut down... If you cut down some of those turnovers, you cut down some of the points off of turnovers, you're right smack dab in this game because Auburn did play, for all extents purposes, a very locked-in defensive performance against this Alabama team. Luckily, Auburn didn't lose to its biggest basketball rival. Tennessee is their biggest basketball <laughs> rival, so it's okay. That's funny. Or Kentucky. <laughs> and they love to throw that one out there for football, so why can't we say that for them in basketball? I think that's changing, though. This, Nate Oates has got this program in a different location. How, the question is, will it stay, though? How fun is it, though? How fun is it to have Alabama and Auburn both competing in basketball? I don't know. It's a stressful year 24-7 because uh, <laughs> baseball for Alabama is getting good, too. There's never a series that you can go into for Auburn and feel confident. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. All on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Levi said something interesting at the end of the first break or or going into that first break 
at the end of that first segment, he said, it's fun to have this elevated Auburn-Alabama basketball rivalry, that both of these programs are in much better places than where they were five, six years ago, that now it's competitive and that both programs have good teams consistently. This is an off year for, for Auburn, but you expect them to be one of the most talented teams in the country next year. Same for Alabama. Last year, if you guys will remember, Alabama went 16 and 15, and now look at them. They can go to a they can go to a Final Four. I say they're they're built enough. They're built they're built to, they're built to go deep in the tournament. And this Auburn team, if they had Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell all season long, both of them, I think they make the tournament. I think this season Auburn has lost so many games so close that it, that if you had those guys from start to finish the development trajectory for this team changes dramatically. I agree. They I, like, win some of those close SEC games that they lost because they will have been so comfortable playing together for so long. Yeah, I mean, they would have built a little bit more confidence and you know chemistry with each other. Also, I mean, they I think they complement each other pretty well because you have a oh, guy yeah. like Justin Powell who can shoot, who can also handle the ball a little bit better with than you know some of the other guard options that Auburn has. Shreve Cooper getting in there, drawing guys into the paint. And then you're just looking at Justin Powell just sitting out there waiting for a shot. So if you're one of those Auburn fans out there right now that are super disappointed and you're down on this team right now, maybe more than the average individual that you may be calling sunshine pumpers, it might be time to check the expectations a little bit because this team has been, if anything, forget the it's young excuse or this team's young excuse and then forget the fact that there's a postseason ban. Forget those two excuses because they have been used a lot. Just look at the fact that the team hasn't been at full strength all year long, and they're basically playing with a seven-man rotation right now, not even an eight-man rotation. So that, that if you had those guys from start to finish, this team looks a lot different. Their, their record is worse than I think the talent level the roster is at. I don't think I know. This team is more talented than what the record suggests. And I, I don't think I that's a matter that. yeah. of them underachieving. I think they've underachieved to a degree over their last – eight nine games this back half stretch of the sec where they've only won two games since the mid since the midpoint of the sec schedule after they lost to baylor putrid slide but and they have underachieved to a degree there even with sharif cooper on the floor but i do think the talent on this roster lends a hand that next year it's going to be hype so my question to everybody out there once again fun lines are open 334-321-1390 do you like it better this way do you like the do you like these programs both of them being great obviously you would rather i'm sure most auburn folks would rather auburn beat alabama basketball every time but do you enjoy the fact that there is a hotly contested rivalry now here on the horizon in the state of alabama and basketball i i enjoy the fact that you're going all year as you know growing up around this area growing up as an auburn fan and then getting to attend the university and graduate from auburn you you hate Alabama at every turn, and that's vice versa. Alabama fans hate Auburn too. It's there's there, that's no secret. But it was one dimensional growing up. It was just football. I growing up as a child, like a young child, I didn't even realized Auburn had a basketball team. Yeah, you talked about the football game year round. Yeah, that's all you talked about. But now, but now you, you talk about a lot of sports year you round. Can, you're going, and it it also helps with the social media age because you can keep up with more sports. It's not just oh what's on TV. You can look up and find the score for everything and you can find ways to watch almost everything and it's fun to sit there and even like the big three as I consider them down here with football basketball then baseball both teams are competing every year 
Obviously, Alabama's got the non-football right now. Auburn's had the non-basketball the past few years. I think they've had the non-baseball as well, traditionally. Yeah, and it's just it's fun to just see that you can compete with your biggest rival all year long, and that just solidifies one of the one of the great rivals you have in college football. And it's just it epitomizes, it encapsulates it. That is what rivalry should be all year long. You are playing every sport. Hating each other. And Alabama is good at basketball right now. Scratch that. Alabama is great at basketball right now because Auburn was great at basketball. And they, they competition beat, bred this. Yeah, it brings out the other. It brings out the other. And because Alabama doesn't want to sit there and, and continue to get beat over and over again bad by one of the better basketball teams in the country in Auburn over the last couple of years. Because you look at Auburn in terms of wins. They are up there with some of those other programs in terms of 20-plus win seasons or 25-plus win seasons until this year. Obviously, that sidetracked it. But Alabama yeah, doesn't want count. to sit there and live in the shadow of Auburn. Of course not. That's not what that – I mean, they, they'll make you they, – they make that known. Let, they, let me assure you. People get mad whenever – at least from my conversation, I see Alabama fans who get mad when uh, all their all you hear is football, 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 and then you, Auburn fans are going – what about this? What about this? What about basketball? What about this sport? What about this sport? And then you can see them getting mad, and they're just like, "I wish that we were beating y'all or something else." <laughs> y'all, y'all, I, I can't make fun of you anymore. But that's oh. changed. That it has changed. changed. Yeah, and it's changed. And I think that's fun. I really think it's great. Look like, at Alabama's baseball coach right now. Guess where he came from? Where'd he come from? Auburn. See, he oh, was on he was on Butch Thompson's staff. And guess guess who got great? I would say. Or, I don't know if it's I don't know if there's longevity to Auburn baseball being great right now because I think they're good. There's longevity to Auburn baseball being good, but I do, I don't like to use the word great unless it means you are in that top percentage of teams in the country. And I don't know if Auburn baseball is quite in that top in in that top 15 of college baseball right now, which they're ranked 22nd, so they're not. But Auburn's good. They had a couple of great teams. Guess what? Alabama takes an assistant now Alabama's building a program, and Alabama baseball is better. So you look at some of these peripheral sports. Auburn got really good at them. There was a golden era of some of Auburn's peripheral sports at that time. And now Alabama's building off of that. It's 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 crazy. And you the competition. Think, and when you think of SEC baseball, especially in, in particular the SEC West, man, if Alabama and Auburn are both good at baseball. That is a loaded conference. I mean, you there's could, no bad teams in the SEC West this you, year. You it could, stinks. You could be dead last. In the SEC West, and still like in you know you might not be ranked, but you could still be a top twenty-five baseball team in terms of talent. It stinks for every team in the SEC West because every team in the SEC West is a good baseball team. One hundred percent. Four of them are great baseball teams. Three of them are elite. Four of them are good, or excuse me, four of them are great. Three of them are elite, and then five of them are good. I have yet to figure out which is the fifth team that is good, but it's either Auburn A&M or Alabama. And I'm going to err more on the side that it's Auburn and Alabama that is like, that's that fifth best team right now. A&M is, gonna, is probably the worst team in the league at the moment in the SEC and West. That, that and is. that can change but they're but all at good. the moment, yeah. They're all good. There's no average teams in this, in this tier of SEC West teams. I mean, th- this year's SEC West in baseball is outrageous. Three elite teams, four great ones. The others are good. But I don't know who that fifth team is yet. It's either Auburn or Alabama. I mean, you have two teams that, in, depending on what poll that you're looking at, are heading number one with Ole Miss and Arkansas. I mean, it, they're kind of. I mean, I've seen I've seen polls with Ole Miss. I've seen polls with Arkansas. Just depending on who you're looking at and where you're looking at, that's crazy. That's crazy to think. And that it's it's fun from an SEC perspective that every game you're going out, 
you're going to be competing against top-notch competition and you're always going to be in that national spotlight. And it's getting that way with basketball too. You're Obviously, it's not up there. This year's SEC basketball uh, conference was down and we, we're not big fans of it from this year. But the past few years, Tennessee's been good. They've been relevant. Auburn's been good. Kentucky's been good. Missouri's you know been good. Arkansas's been good. I remember when the SEC basketball was just Kentucky or bust, and that was it. You got yeah. You you that all, one year where the SEC Kentucky was like not even a twenty-one team. Now that team ended up making a run in the tournament. That was early two thousand tens. You know, well, it was early two thousand tens, but it, it was around that two thousand thirteen time. Yeah. I don't know the exact. I, I think I feel like it was two thousand like thirteen. It was two thousand thirteen or two thousand fourteen, and it was the it was the precursor to the Kentucky team that went undefeated. 34 and 0 the next year and then lost in the final four it was that team and then that team grew up the yep. next year and they got good yeah really and they, good and they added some you know pretty good players like carl anthony towns to that uh undefeated roster that helps a lot too when you have a number one overall pick the sec it's evolving everybody you know the perspective is it's football but it's evolved beyond that i mean sec baseball has always been it's an great. everything conference it is it's starting to become an everything conference and bring i bring out the horses and that's fun because again just growing up when I was around this area, I, most people just didn't care. It was just football. You, you cared about football, and that was it. Now you got people who are engaged in basketball. You have people who are engaged in college baseball. It's the premier athletic conference. Yeah, like in terms of top, like overall, and especially some of the bigger ones. In every single sport. Yeah. Every yeah. single sport. It's the best baseball conference. It's the best football conference. It's not the best basketball, but but it's, it's a it's, top three or top four basketball conference, depending on the year, and it's a competent one. It's it's a, you're not trotting out just Kentucky or you know bust anymore. You you have teams that are right behind Kentucky and even better than Kentucky if you're looking at purely from this year and even some of the past years they've been knocking Kentucky around a little bit. Staying on this topic here with Auburn basketball or going back to it, we were me- we were meant to talk about <laughs> Auburn basketball this segment, but. Real quick here, before we go to break, we got about a minute. Did this team improve this year? Obviously, they still have one more game remaining, but did they improve? I think I think they did. I think they improved a little bit. I think you saw, and I think it's more individual guys just improving, playing a little bit better. They didn't improve where they didn't improve in certain areas that I wanted to see them improve at turnovers. Um, last night was a last night made me feel happy about the fact that they played a little bit better defense than they have been playing and that was an area I want to see them improve on all this year over as the well. last two games Auburn has shown that they can play defense I was worried that they couldn't and they weren't going to get it and you just hit it right on the head they've shown that they can play defense now just keep building on that on the other side of this break we got Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast joining us on the show stay with us here on on the line Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And now joining us on the line, as promised in our previous segment, we got Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast. Zach, how you doing today, my man? I am good, man. Always fun to be on the line. Noah, what's, uh, what's the big chatter today? 
Well, of course, everybody's going to be wanting to talk about that Auburn-Alabama basketball game. If you're an Alabama fan, if you're an Auburn fan, you want to forget about it, right? But that's the topic of conversation on today's show. What was your takeaway from Auburn's 70-58 to loss in Tuscaloosa to the regular season champions? Uh, I think think Auburn should have been better than what they were, but I don't think the score is surprising to a lot of people, especially when you look at where the lines were set in Vegas. I think a lot of the experts saw this coming. I think... One thing that's interesting is, you know, how this team looked on Saturday versus how this team looked last night. You think it's a very similar game minus free throws, and I, and I 100% respect that. I, I just think when you look at it in the terms of if you win or not, I think that's a big deal as far as the culture that Bruce Pearl has built for Auburn basketball. And it's, you know... Auburn fans have, in the span of like four years, have drifted from, okay, we'll take any win possible to almost being spoiled by, you know, that final four run where it's like even ugly wins. They're like, well, what was that? Come on, we should have beat them by double digits kind of things. And you, you haven't really felt that this season. And I know there's a lot of excuses, but what you saw on Saturday, just as far as their will to win and their, you know, them being motivated and all that, I, I just think. I think this team is better than what they put on the floor last night. Statistically, and in, in getting into the nitty-gritty of this game and a big part of why I thought these two games were very similar, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. Against Tennessee, Auburn and Tennessee's field goal percentages, Tennessee was at 41%, Auburn was at 40 Auburn and Alabama both were at 39% in this previous game. And free throw margin uh, against Tennessee – Auburn was plus 15 against Alabama, only plus four. Mm -hmm. Of course, Auburn won by five against Tennessee. I'm not saying the the refs won the game for Auburn. I'm saying Auburn's aggressiveness and and the ability to get to the free throw line helped them beat Tennessee. Auburn did not do that as well against Alabama. Auburn shot 37 free throws against Tennessee. Against Alabama, Auburn shot much less than that. Auburn only shot 16. I think that difference in getting to the foul line changed things for Auburn in this game. Personally, I was shocked that we didn't see your prototypical Auburn-Alabama basketball game that has 60-plus free throws combined. They kind of let these two teams play. They did. Yeah, they absolutely did. But, I mean, I don't care how many free throws you you attempt. You have to find a way to score more than 60 points in conference play. And, I mean, that that 58 looks worse than, I guess, the 12-point loss that it is in my mind. Something that's interesting to me, and you've seen this from guys, or really just from the whole team throughout the season, is the efficient players, when they're having efficient and solid shooting performances, they don't shoot the ball as much. And that's amazing to me. But like Jalen Williams, 5 of 6 from the floor last night, why is he only shooting it six times? Like that is that is wild to me. But then you've got, you know, you've got guys like Jamal Johnson. I know he's a shooter at heart, but he's playing point guard right now and I think he's doing a good job at, you know, he looks like a point guard when he's taking it down the floor, but should Jamal Johnson have shot it 13 times last night? I don't think so. Now, if he's, you know, if he gets to 10 and he's made 6 or 7 of those, you want him to keep shooting? Like, yeah, absolutely. But when he's 4 of 13 from the floor, I don't know if that's a guy I want shooting double digit times against Alabama on the road. So, We've we've seen that all season with different guys, and so and specifically with Jalen Williams. I mean, I think he's had multiple times where he's gone four of four of six or five of six from the floor, and it's like, Jalen, I know you're a team first guy, but it's like I just love to see more offense from you. Something else that was a major difference in that Auburn basketball game: 
Auburn won the turnover battle against Tennessee by a margin of plus one. They were they only had 12 turnovers to Tennessee's 13. Auburn lost it by minus 16 to Alabama. Auburn had 23 turnovers to Alabama's seven. That's also a big difference in this. Auburn kind of reverted back. I felt like Auburn did well with Jamal Johnson at point guard on Saturday against Tennessee. It felt like Auburn's offense kind of reverted back to complacency to a degree because I'm still not a big fan of Auburn's shot selection, but also just general dysfunction on the floor without a true point guard. And that is where folks out there will say, well, if Sharif Cooper played, maybe maybe this game's a little bit different because Alabama did not shoot well from the floor. Auburn's defense is not the complaint in this basketball game. I agree. I agree. I think the 58 points is the issue there. In fact, if you would have told me that Alabama scored 70 going into it, I probably would have said Auburn would have won. So they've got to find a way to do better than that offensively. And unfortunately, they've only got one more chance to do that this year against Mississippi State on Saturday. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how we look back at this basketball season. I think a lot of Auburn fans are just going to act like it doesn't exist or, okay, well, it was fun when we had Sharif Cooper for those 10 games or however many it was. Like, that was fun to see him there. But Well, it's Auburn's first losing season since 2015-2016, Bruce Pearl's second season on the Plains. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's not something you want to see, but I think Bruce Pearl kind of saw what he had, and I think the, the self-imposed bans and all that, I think it was strategic, and I think it makes sense, and it could be a lot worse. Do you think this team makes the tournament if they didn't have the postseason ban and Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell were healthy this season at the same time? I think even if you have Sharif Cooper the whole time, I think the team develops differently because I think you're in it in some of those big games like Gonzaga earlier in the year. Or maybe I think you, they make the tournament easy. I'm not going to say easy, but I, I think they do. I think they do make the tournament. Um, My stance on this is we've seen Auburn – especially when they were playing their best early when Sharif Cooper got in. They were playing with some of the best teams in the conference, including Alabama. And Justin Powell, part of this hypothetical situation is that Justin Powell's also healthy and that he doesn't miss three quarters of SEC play. Imagine Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell together, and you're talking about you know development trajectory for this team from right. beginning to end. I think this team easily, with those two players, in terms of talent, is right up there in the top five, top six of this league, which that's enough to get squads into the tournament. As a team in any sport, it's important that you get better from week to week and over the course of the season. And it's hard to do that when you lose continuity. And Auburn basketball lost that multiple times in different ways, whether it was the NCAA holding Sharif back or Powell getting hurt or you know the installment of Sharif Cooper into this offense and then you got to take him out again and it's like okay well how do you you know move Alan Flanagan around or do you move Jamal around they they they've had to constantly focus on changing and it's like okay well what's our lineup going to be two days from now that they haven't really been able to get better I don't know how much better this team has gotten this season and I think you can look at individual players and say like okay well JT Thor's gotten better as an individual basketball player Jalen Williams has gotten better Jamal Johnson, I think, has gotten better. Devin Cambridge has gotten better. Alan Flanagan, depends which version of him you get, but as a whole, I think he's gotten better this season. Stretch Acting Bowl has gotten better this season. So it's like you look at all these, these individual pieces, and I think they're better basketball players. They've gotten better over the course of the season, but when you look at it as a whole, it's like the team hasn't improved, and that's a weird thing to me. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that. I think my biggest gripe with this squad is that when it looked like they were finally taking steps forward, I mean, Auburn had beaten Missouri in the midweek that they played Baylor. 
And then at Baylor, it's like the Bears hit the reset button on Auburn, and it, it just completely changed the landscape of the season. I don't know what happened that Saturday in Waco, Texas, but something wacko happened in Waco nice. that changed the whole landscape of Auburn's season, and they ceased to improve at that moment for the rest of the year i thought they were improving leading into that game which is why some folks maybe even gave them a shot that first half against baylor was a good first half second half on it's been abysmal for Auburn basketball and i don't know what happened Uh, you you see this in every level of sport though where you know maybe you circle the biggest game on your schedule i think you see it in college football with teams that play alabama they circle and they focus all offseason on this and they focus throughout the season on this and it's like okay this is it this is our super bowl and then emotionally when you lose or you get crushed or it's just like that's the measuring stick and we're so far away, it's tough to show up early for practice over the next few days depending on what kind of culture you have. And then when you look at this specific situation when they can't play for postseason and it's young and there's not a leader in that locker room, an older guy in that locker room to step up and say, hey, this is what we need to do, it's tough. I think we saw that with 2018 Auburn football against LSU. I think that's a big part why that season went sideways. Maybe so. You lose at LSU at home when you're a top 10 team. You had a pretty good first half, second half abysmal. You blow the lead. And that's the team you wanted to beat because you haven't, that, that's been your, that's been the, the ghost in your closet for Auburn football. I 100% agree with that. I think you're right. Now, you know, 14 Mississippi State is interesting, you know, because both of those teams were ranked highly in the college football playoff rankings that year. So I, I think you see that a lot. Now, Auburn has never really had that issue with the Alabama thing because, you know, ESPN loves to tell you how much uh, Alabama just dismantles people's schedule after they play them. And they want to blame it on the physical aspect of it. And sure, they can push anybody around in the country. We've seen that time and time again firsthand here in in Auburn. But I think a lot of it's emotional. Because all season, it's like, you guys get to be the chance. You You guys get a chance to be the guys to, you know, topple the Giants. You know, David versus Goliath. And then you get crushed 63 to nothing, and it's like, okay, well, what are we playing for now? And, and obviously different, different groups are able to respond differently, and, and different coaching styles work in that situation more than others. But as, you know, for the most part, I, I would say that is what happened in Waco that, that Saturday. Speaking with Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast. Zach, last basketball question here for you, because we've talked a lot about the, the development of this team. This is a tough question, but nobody's exempt from critique in my mind grade Bruce Pearl's coaching job this year with this team gosh it's been all over the place I don't know who could have done any better than what he's done I mean we we mentioned the circumstances 100 percent and by Um, no means just disclaimer by no means am I advocating that somebody could have done a better job or that Bruce Pearl is not the right man for the job at Auburn I'm just saying this season 2021 grade the coaching job for Bruce Pearl this year you know, his job is to make guys better, and I think he did that. You know, I mentioned that a second ago. Individual players have gotten better. The team did not, and obviously it's his, his job to construct a team. I'll say B+, plus because like I, I don't I, – there's very few things I look at, and I'm like, okay, I wish he could have done things better. The, the, the thing on the court that drove me crazy the most, and this isn't a new thing, it's just worked in the past when you had Jared Harper handling the ball – but it's like when when Cooper's at the top of the key with the basketball, it's like no one else is moving. But like that was fine when Jared Harper was making those deep threes or was able to attack the basket. Nobody complained about it then. So that's the only thing where it's like, okay, that's not working as much this year. Maybe draw a little bit more up offensively. That's that's my only really nitpick 
with um with Bruce this year. Well, Bruce was talking about that in a post game interview, and I can't remember which game this was. Maybe it was Vanderbilt. Maybe it was all the way back as far as Missouri. It was after an Auburn win because they had him on SEC Network, and he was talking about it with the SEC Network crew on SEC Now, and he was talking about this. This is something that I've hung on to on the show and have talked about with Auburn's offense. You're talking okay. about a lack of movement. He's talking about the progression of a possession offensively mm-hmm. for, for a team. And, and you get into a set and you run your first you run your first set or your first play. If that doesn't work, you move on to the second set. And if that doesn't work, well, then you have to get a play in. A quick play, oftentimes a pick and roll. Oftentimes that's when you saw Jared Harper with the dwindling shot clock. He got a screen and he attacked it to the rack. And uh, he either got a layup or he missed. Auburn had a hard time I felt like moving to the second and third levels of their offense they stayed in gear one never kicked it into gear two or three and part of that's an indicator of a young team part of that's an indicator of a leaderless team on the floor Auburn was without a floor general for you know a half of the season without Sharif Cooper Mm -hmm. and then even with Sharif Cooper on the on the court Auburn was improving in that for for you know his first half of his 10 games that he played but then the second half of his 10 games everything went back to complacency and I don't know why that is and I I think some of that is just also a Bruce Pearl style of basketball team they want to run and they want chaos when you get mired in the half court it's not good yeah and it's like getting a car stuck in mud you're right you're absolutely right it is not built for that now it can be nice if it's built for that if you're on you know an ATV or you know some souped up vehicle that can do that and you're like a Virginian, you want it to be, you know, slow and muggy and you know, you can kind of flourish in that situation, but that's not what Bruce Pearl teams do. And that's just kind of what it came down to. And um, you know, I, I think a lot of Auburn basketball fans are really excited about next year as they should be. But you still gotta ask the question, you know, a lot of these guys on this team, I mean, this is the core. Like this is next year's team, minus probably Cooper, minus maybe a transfer, and then you get two really talented dudes coming in. So it's still like this is if you're not happy with this team, like adjust expectations accordingly. That's all I'm saying. Does Auburn beat Mississippi State on Saturday? Probably not. Really? I don't think so. I don't I would not pick Auburn to beat anybody in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt right now. What's interesting is and a lot of a lot of things that folks I don't know if I'd pick Auburn to beat Vanderbilt for sure, for certain, because Vanderbilt's played some good games recently. They right. played some heinous games as well, but you know, they played Alabama tough, only lost by four to Alabama. Uh, interesting point here that I don't think people have thought about too much. The last two teams to play Alabama, they are Auburn and Mississippi State, and they both scored 59 and 58, respectively, mm. or 58 and 59, respectively. So that's interesting. Two, two teams that struggle offensively right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Auburn fans are obviously going to want Sharif Cooper to play on Saturday. I don't think he's going to. You know, Bruce's comments after the game last night saying that Cooper was was nowhere close to playing. That was a little concerning. You hate that. Um, you know, obviously, if he chooses to go to the draft, you hope it doesn't interfere with any of his draft process that will be coming up over the next few weeks. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, Auburn basketball is not in a great spot right now, but I think it will be once the season starts in 2021. Zach, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with me today. Tell everybody what's coming up on Locked On Auburn. Well, I'll tell you this. This morning I dropped a, a, a show featuring a conversation with Brad LaRondo, Auburn football's chief of staff. He was Harson's first call after he got hired and uh, a guy that I've become a huge fan of and gotten to know a little bit. So we uh, we sit down and chat for about 
30 minutes or so about what he thinks about Brian Harson. He knows him very well. He was at Boise State for 20 years, worked his way up in that athletics department and was a big part of their ascension over in the Mountain West. And so he knows a lot of his coaching staff. He talks about a lot of those guys and what exactly it means. And big culture guy, much like Brian Harson is, you know, he loves he loves kind of, you know, the culture side of things and wants a specific type of player. He talks about all that. Um, he talks about Star Wars, and he talks about sandwiches, and he thinks it's the best way to get fuel in your body. So all of that and more, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. Sounds like a juicy conversation, as juicy as a chicken parm, my yes, man. Yes, and he, uh, he told me he uh, right before we talked, he just got done crushing a chicken parm, as uh, Brad LaRondo does. I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon. Thanks, buddy. Big thank you there to Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast for joining us this hour number one on the line in that last segment. If you missed it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama with On the Line. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's Radio Alabama Sports. Also, find the app, the Radio Alabama Sports app. Let me tell you, it's got a, it's got a lot of great uses you've got some local high school sports on there you can listen to and then on top of that we got all of our content that gets pushed to it podcast all over the place it's got everything you want so the radio alabama sports app as well another great thing to go and download wrapping up our number one here for you but before we do let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. How far would you have lasted if you decided to run across the country with Forrest Gump? Seriously, what a life. Forrest Gump is on AMC at 7. All Elite Wrestling Dynamite is on TNT for two hours starting at 7. You can catch Iron Man 3 on FX at 6. Wednesday, college basketball starts at 5.30 on SEC Network with Missouri at Florida at the 6 p.m. time slot. Oregon State is at Utah on ESPNU. Providence at St. John's on CBS Sports. Sports Network, NC State at Notre Dame on ACC Network, and Minnesota at Penn State on Big Ten Network. At 7.30 on FS1, we've got a top 15 battle between number 14 Creighton at number 10 Villanova. Also at 7.30, but on SEC Network, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. At 8 on ACC Network, Boston College heads to Tallahassee to play the 11th ranked Seminoles of Florida State on ESPN2, UCLA, and Oregon will play. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Only about a minute left here in hour number one. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on the line. I had saved for this segment, most important thing. We've only got a minute here, Levi. Quick, what's going on to you right now with the most important thing happening in sports? The Seahawks are unhappy with Russell Wilson. You know what that means for me? He might be coming to New Orleans, baby. Russell Wilson to the Saints. It's going to happen. Just watch. We do this segment, Levi, for us to be a little bit more holistic than every day hitting the Seahawks button over well, and over again. You got to think for me personally, this is the most important thing because if Russell Wilson becomes a saint for me personally, or not even for me, just for NFL, if, if Russell Wilson goes to the saints with the offense, they have without, without giving up weight, you know, too much in terms of talent on the roster in general, 
that's a that's a Super Bowl team. That is a Super Bowl contending team, and I think that's why that's important. Most important thing for me, college basketball is headed towards conference tournaments. Some of them already in action. I feel so bad for Wright State. Wright State at 18-6, and six, they were playing a team with a losing record last night. They had a 100% win probability. Guess what happened? They lost. They blew a 20-plus point lead in the second half, and they lost. Nothing certain. But what is certain, or at least, well, I would say certain, but we are coming back on the other side of this break here with more of On the Line. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. We made it. Here we are. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Full lines are open. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. First hour talked a lot of Auburn basketball, and we've got more of that to come in this hour. Some Auburn football talk as well. But we're going to open up hour number two with Auburn baseball news. Auburn baseball has a series change, and it has gotten vastly tougher this weekend. Instead of Xavier, Auburn will be hosting top 20 Boston College in a three-game series instead of a four-game series, but still ranked 18th in the poll that I'm looking at. Boston College coming to town this weekend instead of Xavier. The change being made because of COVID rampaging through college baseball, as it has done across some other sports, to get some to get some schedule changes going. Wake Forest was set to play Boston College. Wake Forest can't, and then Xavier can't play either. So these two teams said, hey, you want to battle? And here they are. They're, they're going to play on the Plains. And this series is tough for an Auburn team that just took one out of three in the Round Rock Classic. And it wasn't looking pretty going into Sunday either. I don't want this to sound the wrong way. But one of the, one of the things that have been, it has been interesting to see during what we call this you know, pandemic year that we've had with sports is the quick just, hey, do you want to play? You saw it with Coastal Carolina and BYU in football. It is an interesting dynamic to see two teams who are both in a similar situation just look at each other and say, hey, you want a tussle, buddy? You want to meet me outside and play some ball? And that's, and that is, Meet me in the sandlot. That is an interesting dynamic to see with this. And Auburn, kind of catching, uh, <laughs> catching a bad break on this one. You go from playing Xavier, which Xavier played pretty well this past week as well, but they're not you know, number 18 Boston College coming in. Well, Boston College just got finished with Duke, 11th-ranked Duke, and took two out of three against the Blue Devils in that ACC series on the road. Boston College is yet to play at home. They actually play against Rhode Island today. It's their first home game, but that makes sense. They're a northern team. they got to go all over the place to try and find I mean, some it, teams in the south. You got to put. I mean, that's a lot what the northern teams do at the beginning of the year. They have to go all over and play towards that beginning of the year because it's, it's just too cold up there sometimes. Boston College – their first home series isn't until March 19th against North Carolina. Yeah, I mean you got to wait till it Tough gets warm. Break. You got to wait till it gets warm up there. I, man, I'm 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 trying to look around on this right now and trying to just see 
what this change does. One of the big things I'm looking at is the fact that instead of a four-game series, it is a three-game series. How is that going to impact the pitching and who is going to pitch? Because we were pretty locked in that Trace Bright was going to pitch because you're playing a four-game series, you got to yeah. pitch him. Now, I think we'll know more about that on how Friday goes yep. because I don't expect Green Hill to go all the way on Friday. I don't expect a complete game, you know. Because so, so you expect Barnett to come in, which I do, which may limit what he does or how you use him on Sunday, depending on pitch count. If he closes the game on Friday, say Green Hill does something that he hasn't done all year long, Green Hill, the max he has gone is like five innings. It was like five, yeah, it was like right at. Like he went five, four five and a third against Oklahoma. Yeah. You double that, that's still only eight innings, which would be a great start for somebody like Casey Mize or Keegan Thompson back in the day. But Auburn doesn't have a whole lot of longevity right now in their starting rotation. We've yet to see that. Richard Fitz hasn't gone too long either. The max he's gone is about five innings, I think. Auburn has yet to have a starter other than what Trace Bright did on Sunday. Go six innings or longer. And that's why I think it's important. And that's why I want to see Trace Bright start on that Sunday because I think this Auburn team, at least when you're looking at it from the innings pitch perspective, they're going to rely on the bullpen. They're going to need the bullpen. And you, I think, it, just personal opinion, I'd rather have a guy like Barnett be available at the end of the game in a relief situation than trotting him out there on a Sunday as a starting rotation or as a starting pitcher for that game and max on sunday he might only be able to go three or four because that's his that's his role it's like when you brought up earlier a couple of weeks ago you were talking about how the Rays a couple of seasons ago opened with a closer and then that you called it what what was it called called it it the opener yeah they called it the opener you trot him out there for two or three innings yeah two or three innings to kind of just get the lineup off and then you bring out another guy maybe a traditional starting pitcher you just kind of do it backwards order in that situation which it worked. It worked for the Rays, but I still would rather just see Barnett come into that relief role. I'd rather him be available to come in as relief rather than trotting him out there for three, maybe four innings on a Sunday. Yeah. Especially if you're going into that Sunday. I mean, you're playing a good team. You could go in to that Sunday. Well, you could two. get two appearances for him over the weekend in a late relief role instead of like just a closer one. rather yep. than just one. And he could help you lock down a game on Sunday as well. So I totally understand what you're saying. It's a huge boost for Auburn right now that Jack Owens hurt because Auburn's battling some injuries right now on that front. It's a good thing that Trace Bright's emerging considering Jack Owen is injured right now. Once Jack Owen comes back, this starting staff gets immensely better because you would expect Richard Fitz and Green Hill to have done some development until that time rolls around. Hopefully they're in a better place. So Auburn could be getting a huge boost when SEC plays a roll, rolls around when Jack Owen comes back. But Boston College, no slouch. They're 5-1 and one right now. They could score some runs. They scored more than 10 runs in every single game against Charleston Southern in their season opener or their season opening series. And then they scored 10 against Duke on Friday. They scored three against them in a loss on Saturday, and then they scored five against them on Sunday. But once again, they took two out of three against the 11th-ranked Blue Devils on the road, and they're no stranger to having to play on the road at this time of year. So I don't think road environments bother them at all because they're used to it. This is a top 25 Boston College team that can do some damage and get another RPI-boosting win. You also look at their schedule this year, these ACC schools are, are playing a full ACC schedule. I don't see any non-conference. I don't see any non-conference series on here, other than Charleston Southern for Boston College and Rhode. I mean, and Rhode Island. That's it. 
I mean, that, and that's not even a series. That's just a one game. Like, you're not really playing. Well, they play them twice during the year. Yeah, you're not playing. I mean, you're not really playing like a, a true series. series like yeah, you're not playing a back. true series. That I mean, you have a couple games scattered out, but that's crazy. I mean, full. this is a full ACC schedule Boston College is. This, I was pretty um, I was pretty confident going into this weekend feeling about Auburn. I think they could they were going to be able to right the ship a little bit with Xavier, and we were going to learn a lot about this team, even if they went 3-1 or 2-2 over the weekend, just depending on how the bat started going and how the pitching situation looked. I'm a little bit more hesitant now going into the weekend. I, I fear, I don't want to see Boston College come in here and sweep Auburn. I think that's going to be really detrimental to some of the development and some of the confidence moving forward. If you can go, if you can go two one, I think you're in really good shape. One two, you're still gonna be disappointed. Just don't get swept. Don't get swept. I think that is crucial to building on this program moving forward for the you know for the remainder of the season. How can Auburn improve this weekend against Baylor? Or well, against, <laughs> yeah. Well, they got trounced by Baylor. I was like, over don't the weekend. Uh, different don't, B team here. It's Boston College. Don't give up. You know that many runs like you did against Baylor that's I mean that's one thing uh that's why I was thinking about that's yeah. why Baylor came to mind because I was like 12 to 6 a loss don't how can they improve from that you know but if, if this if an Auburn baseball team scores six runs you're normally feeling confident you're sitting there thinking you know what with the pitching that we normally have six runs that's a win so I'm thinking what can improve what Auburn could really improve upon I want to see the pitching improve go a little bit deeper that would be re- I would really love to see the pitching staff go deep and see how they fit with you've hit you know you talked about this the second time looking at the rotation not the first time where they don't really have your you know they don't really have you figured out after this is college baseball they're good hitters they understand once they see your stuff once they can adjust they can they can see your trends your tendencies after you go through the lineup once I want to see if guys like Green Hill can make it through the rotation you know a second time and maybe go six innings maybe go six and a third or seven and see if they can really push that envelope I think that is a big improvement that Auburn could make and just hitting the ball consistently not in spurts not coming out against Oklahoma and getting three runs and then going quiet for 10 scoreless innings over the next 10 innings that they pitch or that they hit I think consistent hitting and getting the getting the most out of your starting pitching and going a little bit deeper I think that's huge for Auburn to improve upon this weekend I'll add to that Richard Fitz yeah you want to see him play speaking like the, of Baylor I mean they got that was yeah. him he got shelled you want to see the prospect play like a prospect you want to see him play like the major league prospect that they're you know they, they he's highly touted right now you want to see him play that way well he among other players on this roster they've got a chance now to um they've got a chance to make amends for what happened over the weekend it, it right away and I and I wonder how this coaching staff views this series do they feel burdened by the fact that they've got to play a good baseball team after what they just went through or are they seeing this as an opportunity I'm sure they're competitors just like everybody else and they're seeing it as an opportunity but I wonder if they're a little concerned if the team's ready for another challenge like this because you don't want to see your team lose confidence right and Xavier was a chance for Auburn to get confidence back Auburn's gonna have to figure that out because they didn't get a midweek game to bounce back but fortunately Auburn's last game that they were out there they won and they beat A&M and they looked good doing it for the most part one six to one bats are gonna have to bats bats are once again bats 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 like that is a that is a huge focal point for me going into this weekend because there was a 10 inning stretch where Auburn didn't score a run 
from Friday to Saturday across both of those games. Ten innings in a row where Auburn didn't score a run. And I've talked to some people who think that that wasn't a big deal. Auburn lost those two games because of that. Now, of course, the Baylor game, you can't give up 12 runs. You can't. The pitching did play a big part of that, too. But you got to get some run support at some point. They, they at least lost Friday because they didn't hit. You can't just have three runs. And, and I'm not going to excuse that because you're going to face great pitching like they did out of the bullpen as well. You're going to face that. At a, a, you know, Oklahoma's bullpen guy, the guy who closed it out for him all the way through after White Olds got bounced, yeah, I mean, he had great stuff, and he was throwing hard, but you're going to face that all across the SEC. I need to know that Auburn can hit that. Okay, you think Ole Miss and Arkansas don't have great stuff out of their bullpen? You have to be able to hit those. You can't. You cannot go for stretches like that. That's why it's important to get that consistent hitting. So maybe hitting wouldn't have ensured that they beat Baylor because they did give up 12 runs, but it would have ensured that they beat Oklahoma. And if Auburn takes two out of three that weekend, and maybe they only lost 12-6 to six in the midweek game against Baylor – your opinion of this Auburn baseball team is dramatically different. Because if you hit in that Oklahoma game, and then you look at the scores across from that A&M game and that Baylor game, you're sitting there thinking, hey, this team hit pretty well this weekend. They went 2-1. and one. They just got a team in Baylor that can hit the ball well. And we knew that going in. We knew Baylor, as a team, had a pretty high you know, cumulative batting average for the team. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a pretty good one. And you knew that they were going to give up some runs. You knew, you knew that, Baylor score, that Baylor game was going to be a high-scoring game, and if you could just knock them off their hitting a little bit, you could win that, and you still feel pretty good going 2-1 and one over the weekend if you hit against Oklahoma. And it's not the fact that you only lost, in, you know, it went to extras, you lost by one. It's the fact that all those runs came at the beginning of the game, and then you just went ice cold down the stretch and could not hit the relief pitcher that came in. And it's not like Oklahoma was hitting great either. No. So, I mean, you you played they it. They left more on base than Auburn did. Yeah. I mean, you had a good pitching output, you know, throughout the game. And, you know, not too shabby that was happening. It's just, it's crazy to think that if they hit better than they did in that 10-inning stretch, you're viewing this Auburn team completely different right now. 100%. And, and that's something that this Auburn team's going to have to, they're going to have a lot of things to figure out this weekend against Boston College. Now, with that being said, I made the point, does this coaching staff see this as a as an opportunity? I'm sure they do because you're a competitor and you've got to see – that's got to be your mindset. you got to see every game, every series like this as an opportunity. But, you know, I also think it's – you know, from our perspective, it's a reason to be concerned as well about losing confidence if things go sideways. Should that shy you away from playing series like this? No way because these series make you better. With everything that we just said, though – because we've kind of taken a negative approach about this the positive approach about this is if Auburn plays great takes two out of three you're looking good you're feeling good because they improved and then you're like okay so now the the improvement trajectory the development trajectory is improvement and it's at least going up we don't know at what pace but Auburn's got a favorable non-conference schedule from here out continue to work continue to get better on a week-to-week basis you get into SEC play you're gonna be ready to go yeah if you improve this weekend dude your confidence is through the roof moving forward in the SEC schedule we'll be back with more of on the line on the other side of this break stay with us you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater we'll be right back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Auburn basketball taking a hard L last night against Alabama, 70-58. Tigers have their first losing season since 2015-2016. At best, Auburn can finish 13-14 and this year and 7-11 and in conference play if they were to beat Mississippi State on Saturday, which I think I'm feeling optimistic on Saturday, mainly because I've been encouraged by Auburn's defense over the last two games to hold their opponents to respectable amounts of points. They held Tennessee to 72, Alabama to 70. I think there have been good defensive performances over the last two games. What was the major takeaway last night for Auburn at Alabama basketball? Turnovers. Quit. I mean, you got to work on turning the ball over. You got to work on not giving up so many points off of turnovers. If you're Auburn, I like I like the way they pre- played defensively. They played a very good defensive game against Alabama. They held them to 70 points. We hit on that earlier. If if you told us that they held Alabama to 70 points, you would be happy and you would think that Auburn either won that game or they were at least very close in that game, closer than you know the way the score ended up. This game was a little bit closer throughout than a lot of people expected. I mean, Auburn pulled to within five at one point. I think the biggest takeaway, or some of the big takeaways from that game, again, I'll, I'll hit on them in order. Turnovers, played very good defensively. Auburn, I would have liked to see them go inside a little bit more, try to get to the free throw line. Uh, they only had, what, 16 attempts. I don't think that was, um, yeah, they went 10 to 16 on free throws. I don't think that's going to help you beat Alabama. We talked about that yesterday. You wanted to dominate the free throw battle and you wanted to limit the turnovers you didn't have to win you didn't have to win the turnover battle but 23 to 7 a 16 point difference in turnovers and then you're looking at points off of turnovers 24 for Alabama 6 for Auburn you you're not going to beat Alabama like that you're not going to beat this Alabama team like that unless they are shooting I don't know 15 percent from the field which by the way 40 percent 40 percent roughly for both teams shooting the basketball they were Which isn't pretty, good. Auburn did a good no. job defensively. Yeah, they were they were pretty even. Like these teams were pretty even in if, run of play. Yes. Yeah, and, and the way some of the teams and way some of the things went. I mean, three point you know three point percentage was roughly pretty close to each other. Differences. Alabama took more. Alabama made four more. You equate that. That's twelve extra points. What is that going to do for you? That's a tied ball game. If you're if you're shooting on par, the exact same three, which you expected Alabama to make more threes than Auburn. You really did. Alabama also got more shots because Auburn turned the ball over so many times. Exactly. That changes the thing that that changes the field goal statistic line by by uh, by a lot. Because yeah. twenty three turnovers, maybe if it was only like fourteen or fifteen, maybe not, but twenty three to seven changes the field goal the the field goals attempted stat line a lot. That's why Alabama had fifteen more attempts than Auburn possibly because you know if you turn the ball over that's a possession where you didn't get a shot off and that's an extra possession considering Alabama had 24 points off of turnovers that Alabama did get a shot off so you're spot on with the turnovers being the major issue yesterday for Auburn and go figure I mean that that's going to be the big issue for this team that's what it's been all year especially with Shreve Cooper you know out that's that's going to be that's going to happen that's going to happen there was also you know news stories and, and Bruce Pearl saying you know that Sharif Cooper was nowhere near close to playing and I said yesterday that I was being brought closer and closer to thinking that he would play mainly because we knew he was traveling with the team and everything I guess that was just designed to keep Alabama off track of uh, of the potential of him playing I don't think he plays again this year now yeah I don't think so either I mean if from what Bruce Pearl said where he said that he was nowhere near close to playing 
I just don't think you. I, I don't think you play him. I don't think so. There's, there's we're not no, officially yet, but it feels like we're into that. Is he staying or is he going? And it's hard to believe that this season has already reached that point that we're in the off season and the next major basketball news that will break coming out of Auburn's program. You hope that this is the next you know news yeah. that breaks that it's not NCAA or or transfers or or anything else. But you would assume that the next major news to come out of Auburn's program would be is Sharif going or staying it's kind of weird that we're at that point have we seen Sharif Cooper that's the question I'm not asking you to answer this but the question is have we seen Sharif Cooper for the last time in an Auburn uniform and that's yeah that's something that that's going to be on a lot of people's mind in the coming weeks and even if he stays I don't think I, I I don't anticipate him playing because you're gaining absolutely nothing if you play if you're not at 100 percent you are gaining absolutely nothing from Auburn perspective, from a Sharif Cooper perspective. Nothing is gained from playing in that you know rescheduled game against Mississippi State. You could re-aggravate that ankle and you could do more damage. You could injure you know your other your other ankle because you're trying to compensate for the fact that the other ankles hurt. You, I mean, so many things could happen. You, he's locked in. If he wants to go to the NBA, he's locked in as a top ten pick. The NBA scouts know what they've seen out of him. They like what they see. He's locked in. Him playing against Mississippi State, it's not going to change his draft stock whatsoever. And if he stays at Auburn, and then you go out there and you re-aggravate your injury, that hurts the team moving forward, does nothing to gain. And Auburn is not playing for anything at this moment. So him going out there and playing, even if he is at 100%, I, I just think it's better for him to rest. You, you rest, you keep yourself healthy. Whether you're going to the NBA or coming back to Auburn next year, it's better from for everybody's perspective to just sit this one out rest up don't don't hurt yourself even more than you already are especially if you're not a hundred percent it's just it benefits nobody outside of fans getting to watch him for him to play against mississippi state the win and the loss doesn't even make a huge difference yeah i mean you're already below 500 i mean it's you're below 500 you're not playing for a seed in the tournament you're not or in the sec tournament because you know Auburn's not playing there's no postseason you are it literally just benefits nobody i think it's an open and shut case you just let them rest no no reason to put a young man's a promising career that is in the future for sharif cooper i don't think you want to risk any of that and it it could be something simple like i mean he could go out there and be at you know 75% and just re-aggravate it and nag it but that's going to put him back from working out a little bit longer that's going to put him back from doing skill drills and working on his game that's that could be a week or a month loss that Sharif Cooper doesn't have. And if he's going to the NBA draft, that's stuff that you want to get prepared for. You want to get prepared for the NBA draft. If he's coming back to Auburn, you want to be prepared for next season. And you want to practice and get better for next season. I just don't think it just doesn't make any sense for me for him to play in this Mississippi State game. I'll be curious to see if he does. Stink, do you have some numbers ready for us? We've got a couple minutes left of this segment. It's time for crunching the numbers with Sting. Sting, what do you have on last night's Auburn-Alabama basketball game? So I got a couple here. Uh, the first one is that Alan Flanagan had seven points last night, and I found that when he scores in single figures, Auburn's 0-4 this season. I think we've kind He's of said that. He's only scored in single figures four times this year? Yeah. Impressive. That is I surprising. take that as that a is positive impressive. That is impressive, yeah. Yeah, we, I think we've said before that when Alan Flanagan struggles, Auburn struggles, so... They struggled last night. He struggled. Interesting. They don't win when he doesn't play well at all, I guess. 
uh, and then the other one that I wrote down, I just kind of thinking about this team, the current state of the Auburn basketball team, it kind of reminds me a lot of that 2017-18 team who ended up sharing the SEC title with Tennessee, but just had no players. So everybody was playing more minutes. And I calculated the minutes for these the three main guys in the backcourt without Sharif Cooper. And just kind of, I don't know. So here, Jamal Johnson, 25.2 minutes in conference play before Sharif Cooper's injury, 32.7 per game since. Okay. Who else? Devin Cambridge, 24.9 minutes before Sharif, Cooper, Sharif Cooper's injury, 34 per game. Wow, since. that one's that one's jarring. Almost 10 extra minutes. Yeah. Well, also the fact that 24 minutes a game doesn't necessarily shout consistent piece, and he has been in and out of the starting lineup. It shouts consistent role player, and that's kind of what Devin Cambridge has been this. That's what he's been this year. But now he's thrust into like you've got to be you've got to be the guy. So keep right. going. Yeah, and then Alan Flanagan, not, not as dramatic here, 30.6 minutes in conference play before Shrew Cooper and injured uh, 35 minutes since. I don't know, that's still, still pretty dramatic, though. Like, He's only getting five minutes of rest in a right. ball game. So just not, not, I guess, a significant increase, really, or at least that not as so much as the others. That is so telling, though. There's a lot of factors that shoot off in my mind off of that because five minutes rest for a player, not only physical fatigue, mental fatigue yeah. can you blame this team for 23 turnovers yes but could you blame them for 17 no it, it makes sense i mean when you're when you're gassed sometimes and you're i mean when you're physically gassed out there and it makes sense when you mail it in sometimes it makes sense from the defensive side where which we have seen them take improvements where they just take plays off sometimes defensively you're, you're gassed it makes sense you're gassed you're playing a lot of minutes i mean i understand that but yeah, from the mental perspective where you're going through a game the whole time, and if you're tired or you're exhausted and you're sitting there, your mental gets drained. You're sitting there going, I just, I ain't got it. I just, I wish I could get, get another break. I wish I could just, you know, get another hit on the sideline and go get some water, but. And there are no breaks. Yeah, and you're not getting a lot of it. Yeah, you're, you're exhausted physically. You know you're exhausted, so you're trying to kind of push yourself a little bit harder than you should. It makes a lot of sense that Auburn has been inefficient at times and inconsistent, especially when you have when you have a team and players that are playing just a lot of – they're playing more minutes than they should be playing right now. Right, and they're playing extra minutes because like, there's just nobody behind them to relieve them. Yeah, I mean, they just don't have the bodies right the now. The entire bench is forwards and centers. Yeah. Which does not bode well for a team that wants to run the floor. Mm-mm, not at all and i don't think we've seen this team's pace of play really change that much no with sharif cooper off the floor i still think they're trying to push it and you wonder why there's and this is sarcastic but you wonder why there's dysfunction on the floor for auburn offensively when they're trying to run the floor without a point guard and they got a bunch of bigs all over the place not 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 necessarily where you want to be at but where you want to be at is on the line with us stay with us through the break here we'll be back in just a moment stay on the line more of the show when we come back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station on the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron. Analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We're 30 minutes out from the end of our show and about 30 minutes out from the beginning of The Drive with Bill Cameron. All that coming up at 4 p.m. Continuing our Auburn sports conversations with you on the line. I want to talk some Auburn football with you now, Levi. And something that I see often, and I, and I, and I can't remember where I saw this but today that, that made me think, yeah, I want to talk about this today on the show. But I saw this on social media. I saw it on Twitter. Someone talking about how these coaches, the way they talk about Auburn and the way they talk about their vision, it just makes them excited again about Auburn football. And part of that could be the novelty of the fact, well, you got a new coach in, you got new ideas coming in. Part of it is that. But there is something distinct. There are distinctive qualities about this Auburn coaching staff, top to bottom, everything that it, that is going on with this coaching staff. In front of the program, Zap Blackerby has a podcast up on Locked On Auburn of him talking with Auburn Chief of Staff, Brad LaRondo, and he's another guy that falls into this category of them all talking about this culture, this identity, and their love for Auburn already. And the way these coaches talk about Auburn and Auburn football gets me pumped for the future of Auburn football under these guys. And it's funny that we're talking about this because we, me and you were having a conversation earlier that had nothing to do with this, but what I said about what we were talking about rings true here. It was very clear to me, uh, it was apparent early on that Brian Harson went into this job knowing what he wanted to do. He, he, look, he knew his, what the identity he wanted this team and the culture that he wanted to instill here was. It looked like he knew that from the get-go where he came in and he said, look, we're going straight organization here. You've got an outside linebackers coach and an inside linebackers coach. You, he knew exactly, like he, is, he is just dictating, or, and he is uh, not dictating, he's delegating tasks specifically everything is organized and what he's doing and it seems that there's he's a try- framework there's yeah there's a good framework a blueprint that is set up for how he wants this and it seems that it's a it's an accountability thing where if you know where if each position and this is from the coaching perspective if each position group is dedic is you know delegated to this person and I, I think the fact that we have outside and inside linebackers coach just speaks volumes to that for me because you're like hey if these guys are slipping up you know exactly who to go to. You know exactly what's wrong with this team if you're looking at it from that perspective. It just feels like everybody's going to be held accountable in this system. And I think that goes well goes for players as well. It just there's this professional approach that is coming to the planes. They work out at five forty five in the morning. I love that. They scary, get out there to the scary grind. Hours. Scary we talked hours. about culture earlier this week. I think Monday's edition was the day where I said there's a culture yeah. shift happening in the Auburn program and there is, and all that goes hand in hand. This coaching staff talks with certainty. They're sure and confident with the steps that they make. I have not gotten a lick of any type of doubt from this coaching staff whatsoever in the way that they speak about this program and what they want to do with this program, despite there being some folks out of, out of the community that maybe are a little underwhelmed with how things have began on the recruiting trail and, and among other things. You know, because we hear the the three star recruiting, blah blah blah. I'm not getting caught up in that because I think that's just a factor of this year and the fact that these guys came in late and all the good recruits were already snatched up. But this coaching staff walks with confidence, and they when they talk, they like 
They talk to you. They, they feel like they're talking to everybody individually when they speak, and they really connect and resonate with the way that they speak. I listened to Gus Malzahn in his press conference at UCF, and he had a similar type of attitude with the way that he was talking about UCF. He was, he, he was saying, we're going to recruit like our hair's on fire. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he said it with such confidence. He said, it with, he, he said it like he was on the offensive. And there was a lot of times while he was, while he was at Auburn where I was like, he's, he, it felt like he was always on the defense, that he was always on defense. And now th- this coaching staff, it's refreshing to feel like Auburn's now in attack mode rather than feeling like they're trailing behind or they're having to play defense for some reason. Yeah, it, That's it, what a hot seat will do to you, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like this coaching staff is is unwavering in their confidence whatsoever. It just feels like they came in, and I think that's that's a credit to Brian Harson and his track record as a winner. He's always been an underdog type of coach. He was at Arkansas State. He won games. Goes to Boise State, which Boise State, you know, as much winning as they've done in our lifetime, it's still not. You consider it a program that is going to consistently be in the top twenty-five and even top ten on very good years that Boise State produces but they're not Alabama they're not Michigan it's not Auburn it's not you know those type of schools that have that history of a big power program they came in with a chip on their shoulder and it just seems that they're like hey I've done this before I that I've won I've won everywhere I've been we're gonna do it this way and it's gonna work here just like it worked everywhere else I love it I love that mentality that they come in they have that plan that they want to do. They have the confidence. They have the strut. They're talking with with just vindication and passion where you know you, you it gives you faith. Like it gives you hope for this team for this coach staff and this team because there was a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like the hire in general. Oh, this guy, he's he's not an SEC guy from the out west. Okay. He's like, fine, whatever you say. I'll come in, I'm gonna do it this way, and I'm gonna win, is how he views this. I if you asked him how many games he's winning next year, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like all of them because that's just the kind of feel I get from this coaching staff that they have accumulated at Auburn right now. Players will take the form of their leadership, whoever that may be, whether it be their quarterback, their coordinators, their coach. It, it, it's a melting pot of all of that. and they, they will take the form of their leadership, and it's a good sign for Auburn football that the culture is one of confidence. They're assertive. They're sure-footed. They know what direction they're going because they have a vision. Can you tell me what Auburn football's vision was in the last three, four years, last three years under Gus Malzahn? I don't think there was one. I don't. I, I just didn't feel like it. Never felt that there was something. It never felt like there was something for the future where you were looking and said, "This is what we're going to do. We want to do this." It felt like it changed from year to year. You bring in a guy like Chip Lindsey, for example, and you run offensive coordinator. It's the perfect example. Yeah, and you run away from that. What I like to call the triple option wing tee out of the shotgun that you were running when Nick Marshall was there that took you to a national title, and then you say, "Whatever, let's let's try to run this quick pass, this quick hit with Chip Lindsey, and try to incorporate this. Let's instead of recruiting guys to run this op." This offense that took us to a national title like we had with Nick Marshall, you know, just a mobile guy who can read and can throw and has, you know, that capability. Let's bring in a guy like Jeremy Johnson, who's not very mobile, is more of a pro style quarterback. I think Brett Lashley was still OC at that time. No, he definitely was, but I was just I was using that for an example of when he brought he was bringing in guys that just didn't fit. It wasn't like it just didn't seem like Auburn 
that happened before chip Lindsay got on campus but chip Lindsay was definitely not the fix <laughs> oh no and i wasn't trying to say that and nor were the ocs coming after him oh yeah i wasn't trying to say that jeremy johnson was there with chip Lindsay. i just used chip Lindsay yeah. as that i was going examples just kind of not in the uh chronological order yeah. that things happened it just felt like auburn lost its identity so many times it just it kept wanting to go through an identity change and they never could find anything that fit them which I thought was it was mind-boggling for me and a lot of fans to watch because you saw what happened when they had this identity the first year where you knew what that you knew what they wanted to do they wanted to run the ball down your throat they wanted to run that read option style offense and then open up the pass off of that and then they went away from that and fans were like well why don't we go back to that So take a look at the defense during the Gus Malzahn tenure then. The first two years, you've got Ellis Johnson, and I try to think back to those years, and I'm like, okay, the 2013 defense wasn't good, but it was serviceable. They they were opportunistic. They forced turnovers. Ben don't don't break, turn the ball over. They had solid, and they had solid, pass rushers that can make some things happen i mean a big part of winning an a winning at a&m that year was what the pass rushers were, were able to do but that team's defense wasn't good and then the next year the the defense was horrible that was why auburn lost five games that year 100 percent. it wasn't the offense's fault and so I, I go back to those first two years under ellis johnson i was like yeah what was auburn's defensive identity back then because uh was it give up a lot of points you know but then they bring in kevin Steele in the third season there or no it was must champ my bad i forget muschamp was there for a year but they bring in muschamp there in the third season yeah they they bring in muschamp for a uh what would that be for a consultation you know they bring in muschamp for a one season consultation and he brought an identity though i felt like that was continued by kevin Steele, and kevin Steele perfected it and guess what auburn's defense was had longevity at being good at being great even a couple years and then last year it was average yeah man it was average to to bad and part of that was youth on the defensive side of the ball especially at the defensive line but i don't you know i i scratched last year with all the stuff that you read about and all the stuff that you hear about it you just kind of you scratch last year but still there was an identity for for a long period of time on the defensive side of the ball whereas the offense started out with the identity at auburn in 2013 to 2014 and then they got away from it and they had no identity from 2015 on and that that's what changed everything yeah, it was 20, 2015 on, you just lost the identity, and it was like, should I what should I do this? Should I do that? And you kept it was they they kept trying to fix it with I, different identities. Identity and scheme is important, but there needs to be a cultural identity as well inside the locker room and inside the program. And I don't think Auburn brought that to the table as well. Because if you've got a strong cultural identity, if, you, if you've got strong heads on your shoulders, if you've got strong leaders, you can deal with the scheme change every so often. And it, and it could work, especially if you're fitting the scheme to the players that you have on the roster. You have to have scheme change. You have to adjust. I mean, there's a, year re- in a, year out. There's a reason Nick Saban is such a great coach because he adjusted his offensive scheme over time. He didn't adjust his cultural approach and his identity to that team, that military-style accountability approach. But the only way that works, though, as if you've got the right leadership from top down yep. that are strong and confident and can convey that to their players. And Auburn's got that now. They didn't have that in the previous regime. So good things coming for Auburn football, I feel like. And there are cookie crumbs all over the place that you can see those good things coming. Good things are coming here on On the Line. We wrap up the show on the other side of this break. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. 
You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Coming up after us, listen to The Drive with Bill Cameron every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. following on the line right here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Bill and Dan are going to be taking your calls as they do always. You're going to want to listen to them following us once again from 4 to 6 p.m. The Drive with Bill Cameron, our last segment of the show right here. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. How far would you have lasted if you decided to run across the country with Forrest Gump? Seriously, what a life. Forrest Gump is on AMC at 7. All Elite Wrestling Dynamite is on TNT for two hours starting at 7. You can catch Iron Man 3 on FX at 6. Wednesday, college basketball starts at 5.30 on SEC Network with Missouri at Florida. At the 6 p.m. time slot, Oregon State is at Utah on ESPNU. Providence at St. John's on CBS Sports Network, NC State at Notre Dame on ACC Network, and Minnesota at Penn State on Big Ten Network. At 7.30 on FS1, we've got a top 15 battle between number 14 Creighton at number 10 Villanova. Also at 7.30, but on SEC Network, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. At 8 on ACC Network, Boston College heads to Tallahassee to play the 11th ranked Seminoles of Florida State on ESPN2, UCLA, and Oregon will play. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Last segment here of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. Former Auburn wide receiver Marcus Davis could be about to land a job on Hawaii's staff. Nathan King of Auburn 24-7 Sports was writing about that earlier today. Marcus Davis, a former Auburn wide receiver under Gus Malzahn there, could be landing as wide receivers coach on Hawaii's staff. What former player other than Marcus Davis do you think could make a great coach? Ooh, that's a real tough one there. I'm happy to see Marcus Davis out there coaching Hawaii. You know I love my Hawaii football. You know because yeah, you're a night owl, man. I'm a night owl. I mean, I work. I work. I've always had. I always have been a night owl. I work those weekend nights as well. So most of the time when I get off on a Saturday night, Hawaii's the only game on. Either that or some Pac-12 after dark action. So I love watching the Hawaii. You, there's nothing like a midnight, you know, kickoff on the rock when you're when you're just hoping that both teams. And most of the time, both teams do score a lot. So you're watching a fun a fun football game at the end. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a guy who I think maybe a guy like a Deshaun Davis, like a good leader type of guy who could probably come in and be a coach. I don't know really from an X's and O standpoint. I think I think Cody Burns has a chance to really like elevate himself. He's already in, a coach. I'm, I'm talking about elevating from like a higher coaching perspective. I think he is a guy who could, you know, be a be a head coach at some point in his career. And I'd like to see that move on from there. Do you have anybody in mind that you were thinking of? Cord Sandberg looks like he was meant to wear the headset, man. Yeah, he wore because, it at Auburn. Yeah, he wears it because he doesn't play. He, hey, those coaches. Those, sometimes those make the best coaches. Though. No, I mean that's true though. I could see that. I could really see that. A lot of backup quarterbacks come in to you know, or guys who have played a lot of backup quarterback throughout college and even NFL. They make some good coaches. I mean, uh, even guys who say at the Look at Kellen Moore right now, that's, man. Is the OC ex- at Dallas? That's exactly what I was about to say. I was like, guys who dominate in college, he's, he sat uh, on practice squads and like 13 quarterbacks, but he's on the offensive analyst side of uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I think he might be the offensive coordinator. He is the offensive now. Yeah. coordinator now. now yeah. yeah, he was. He started off as an analyst, but you see guys like that who just know the game of football. And I could see a guy like Cord Sandberg who has sat there and who has just absorbed all of that knowledge. I don't, I'm trying to think. I'm, 
I'm trying to think of some other guys. I mean, a lot of times quarter, former quarterbacks make really good coaches. Former backup quarterbacks make great yeah, coaches. Former backup quarterbacks. Like Cord Sandberg. I can I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Eastern Eastern Kentucky. Is yeah. that where he went? Yeah, Eastern yep. Kentucky guy now. Just wish he would uh just change that number. <laughs> <laughs> then you would have been okay with them playing? Yeah, of course. I okay. like the I like the guys. Just grow up, grow up. The number twenty four is what, as a this quarterback. This is one of my least favorite takes that you have, but that's okay. We'll 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 get away from that. Another guy that I think would make a really great coach that is an absolute beast at his position, Derek Brown. I can see that. Derek see Brown's a, guy a like smart Derek guy. Yeah. He is a smart guy. Really intelligent. Well articulated. He is a smart cookie. That guy could teach the position. I don't know if he would climb up to like defensive coordinator or head coach one day. I don't know if I get those vibes. I get I get defensive line coach vibes though, for sure. I can see that. I mean, he's like you said, he's a very smart guy. He's very very well articulated. He He was a leader. You can Yeah, he's a leader. He was a leader on that defense. You could see that. You could see he's a guy who would come in. I don't know if I could see him as a head coach. But I maybe even maybe not even a defense coordinator. I could see him as a really good defensive line coach, and I think if he could train, like he could uh, parlay that into a defensive coordinator job, and I could see him moving up again. Smart guy, really really good ba- uh, football mind. I'm on I'm on basketball brain. I've almost said basketball like twice in this segment because I'm just basketball brain. But Deshaun Davis. Yeah, that was another my, one. That's that was my first one. I mean, he's, he's just, spent a lot of time in film room sessions oh, with Kevin Steele, and like he was a quarterback on the field line, on defense. He was calling plays out there on defense. A linebacker. I mean, that's what linebackers do most of the linebackers time. Linebackers become coaches. Linebackers are linebackers are quarterbacks. That's, there's a reason you see that because the linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, and and they, and they become defensive coordinators and head coaches a lot of times because they, they make great ones. They're not just playing their position; they're getting everybody else in position on the field. They're the on-field general that you have, and I could see Deshaun Davis a good lock room guy vocal leader as well very vocal leader i could see him coming in with a very just you know that rah-rah kind of mentality that you have out of a linebacker you could bring that in and you could i think he could resonate with younger guys like i think he could bring that kind of fire and that passion and kind of get after guys like that switching gears here for the last two minutes of our show auburn basketball once again losing 70 to 58 to alabama we're not going to harp on that game anymore. I want to take this in a different direction, and we'll, and we'll talk about this some more tomorrow. We're at the end of the season here. Grade Bruce Pearl's coaching job this year. No, no minuses, no pluses. I asked Zach this question in our conversation with him. Go and find that on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. But grade it. F, D, C, B, or A? If I'm grading his coaching performance this year, I think I'm going to go... I think I'm gonna go B. I think I'm gonna go B. This one, it's it's fringe. I am as well. It's it's very fringe. Like I could, I could easily make an argument for C as well. But I think, given what happened, all of the he can't th- control the injuries and the suspension of Sharif Cooper. Exactly. There were things that went out of his control, and he still had this team winning games. They beat a couple of uh, top twenty-five teams. You know, they beat Missouri. That was a big win that they had. They beat uh-huh. Tennessee. That was a good top twenty-five win. Along with, there were some downs, but there were some things that were out of his control, and I think that. Given the circumstances, again, since we were talking about football, a lot like what we said with the recruiting, with the recruiting, Harson missed out on a lot, missed out on a lot of guys, got a lot of three stars. With the hand that you were dealt, I think Bruce Pearl did a very good job of fixing some, you know, just kind of righting the ship in a sense, 
I would have liked to see, there's a reason he's not an A. I mean, you went below 500, but given the circumstances. And I, I don't think the team, I agree 100% with what Zach said in our conversation. I don't think the team itself improved. I think all of the individuals did, but I don't think that some of its parts actually agreed. got better because look at how the season ended. They clearly did it as a team, but individually they yes. did. Next year is going to be about putting it together. They were missing the main puzzle piece to connect it all. Point card because they were gone and they'll be back next year so i would agree with you on the b but i've ran out of time here to uh, to go fully in depth with that so we will we'll get into that more tomorrow kind of wrap it up this over basketball season with mississippi state looming on the horizon but coming up after us we got the drive with bill cameron that does it for another edition of on the line we'll see you tomorrow you know where to find us